one of the biggest things that annoys me the most is, is paying for the same player over and over and over. Who wants to be a millionaire? Apparently, growth marketers who focus on retention. Hello and welcome to Retention Masterclass. My name is John Kitsier. And my name is Peggy Ann Saltz, and we're your co-hosts on the show. If you want to grow, you need to acquire new users, right? Our last guest, Nick Hobbs, actually said that you need to focus on retention first. Yeah, which you wouldn't think of because you're thinking growth, you're thinking it's got to be UA, but you have to require the right users and you can't retain, of course, what you don't have. So you have to work it in to the architecture, work it in to what your game or your product is. And our next guest has exactly this mindset. And in addition, we're going to find out why he does, because he's coming into some serious IP, John. So this is something you want to get it right from the get-go. Absolutely. And maybe there's some method behind the madness, or maybe it's just magic. So to find out if it's method, madness, or magic, we're <laughs> going to chat with Dan Beasley, the co-founder of the London-based game studio, Viker. So it's great to have you, Dan. Hi. Thanks very much for having me. We are so pumped to have you. And we kind of hinted at the big news, which is that you're releasing a game, the blockbuster franchise, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Uh, tell us more about that. Yeah, that's right. This is Viker's first foray into branded IP. Uh, up to this point, we've, we've created our own games and we are working with the guys at Sony to launch uh, a free-to-play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire game, which will give people all across the world the opportunity to finally sit in that hot seat, compete against friends, family, and the rest of the world, and play for, for real money prizes. I think it's, it's it's probably one of the first movers in the market in this space, and um, it's a hugely exciting opportunity for us. It's a big one for sure. When is that coming out? We're in soft launch right now in a couple of markets. We are probably halfway through that soft launch, and uh, we're expecting to launch in the thick of it in December. Okay, wow. Uh, not not a busy Christmas season for you at all. No, no, but there's no movies being promoted, so now's a perfect time for, for gaming. Good point. Absolutely, and then, of course, the free-to-play aspect. You know, it's an interesting play on the monetization model, mm -hmm. which brings me to the other point. You've told me in our prep, and I thought this was really exciting, you know, retention first, and that for a gaming company, you don't put the two together very often. You're always thinking, okay, I'm just going to pick up some great audiences, a couple bargains here and there, run them through the funnel, whoever stays, pick the whales, and we're home free, right? No, you're focused on retention first, which is an interesting mindset. So I just want to backtrack and understand what convinces you, or what convinced you rather, to embrace this in the first place. Yeah, I guess it comes from you know, a longstanding perception that, that I've had from you know, friends and colleagues that, that there's, there's sometimes this notion that time is spent in gaming is, is wasted for people. And we want to look at different ways that we could address that for the audience. And, um, you know, let's face it, with kind of UA strategies, you know, we spend an awful lot of time talking about the cheapest and most efficient ways of bringing people into it. But best case scenario, 40 to 50% of the people that you acquire today are gone tomorrow. So for us, it, it's really, you know, really important that we focus on the people that, that stick around because they're the ones that are going to ultimately drive our profits. That makes perfect sense. Of course, there's some buckets to fill along the way, you know, the leaky bucket, if you're saying you're that many are leaving, you have to think about it in a very focused way from the get go. Now you've been 
thinking about this for a while. I'm sure you've had your trial, your error, your mistakes, your learnings. What can you share? Yeah, we've we more than a few, <laughs> like most studios. I quite quite enjoy making mistakes. I think we, we learn quite a lot from, <laughs> from that. Don't tell my team that. But yeah, I'm sure they know already. <laughs> and I mean, for us, you know, I guess one of the, the mistakes we made in the early days was, was probably getting uh, too excited too early. And, you know, those early retention and monetization stats come through and, and you think you've got, you know, the, the next big hit on your hand. So you, you kind of fast track everything. But actually, when you start to scale up, you know, the game's not deep enough. You haven't got enough content in there and, and things, you know, don't pan out in, in the way that you'd expect them to. So I guess, you know, I, I think probably the, the, the way we look at it now is, and we're trying to do this with Millionaire, is to sit tight and, and don't get carried away by those early metrics. Make sure that your, your product is full of the features that you need to, to retain as well as you can do. Mm-hmm. So I would like to unpack that just a little bit because you started to give some advice in that answer, but I really would like you specifically that, you know, if you could tell us advice today for other marketers and for people looking ahead, because we're nearly into 2021, where a lot of marketers I'm talking with, they are changing their mindset. They are changing their team. So advice is so important now as we shape those strategies. What's the advice you could give based on perhaps your biggest mistake? Our biggest mistake, as I say, I think it's not giving people enough reason to come back to your game. You know, we, we think a lot about what we kind of phrase as kind of habitual gameplay and giving people a real reason to come back into the game through, you know, progression mechanics. And that's really worked really well for us. And, and you know, we've worked with a portfolio based approach with with global mechanics so that people, you know, start to build a rhythm in our games and they kind of come in and they know what they're going to get and and you know they make an appointment almost in their diaries to come back every day and play mm-hmm. really really interesting i had to smile earlier when you're talking about people having this perception that games are a waste of time and i was going to say like adults is happy parents looking at teenagers <laughs> they have a day off from school or something yeah. like that but uh, it is 2020 and we all need a break don't we we need uh, some enjoyment some pleasure some something in our lives that's not stressful but you're clearly uh, kind of a convert to the core importance of retention as a growth mechanic and i guess the question is and you you touched on that briefly how do you align your gameplay to do that how do you reward those users and ensure that they keep coming back? I mean, talking from a Viker perspective, we have, you know, for the last 18 months or so, been launching games where people can get rewarded with monetary value, with prizes, and that forms a big part of our retention mechanics that we've got. And and with Millionaire, you know, there are going to be daily tournaments, weekly tournaments, monthly tournaments, where you can progress through the game, you can win tickets into the draws, depending on how far you progress and how many questions you answer and and all of the other bits that we've got inside the game. So for us, you know, it's about rewarding people and and increasing that throughout the game. And and the deeper you get into it, the more you're invested in it and and the more you come back to seek those rewards. Dan, that's super interesting. And that mechanic will play very, very well along with the lines of who wants to be a millionaire, right? I mean, that's kind of perfectly aligned for that. So that's really interesting. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Because 
I've seen ads for games and I've got tons of pitches for stories about monetary rewards for, you know, whether it's games or whether it's using a certain browser or other things like that. And I've, I've often felt like, you know, okay, so I can win like five bucks if I play for three months or something like that or what, you know, and I've wondered what is the appeal there? Can you unpack what the actual appeal is there? Is it about the dollars itself? Is it about the person that is interested in that? Or is it just the fact that there's something concrete to win? I We've had, you know, hundreds of thousands of people through our games in the last 18 months. And it's a question we've asked ourselves because personally, it, it's something that I find quite interesting, that the psychology that's, that sits behind it. And, and like you say, why are people chasing it? For what, in some cases, could be perceived to be quite a low financial reward. And I think it's it's a number of different things. You know, some people just enjoy that process that you go through trying to achieve that final goal. For other people, you know, when, when you're talking about some of the examples you, you just gave there, John, they're playing and they're in lots of different experiences where you can get these different rewards. And I think when you actually build it all up, you know, it can make a significant difference to, to people's people's lives. I know in, in our example, we've got whole families playing our games and they're playing them together and they're building up that pot together because actually it means that at the end of the month, there's an extra $50. Uh, wow. And that's the difference between having a, a treat night with pizzas or not. Um, wow. So there's lots of different motivations. And, and we see this going through in our community. And they tell us all these fantastic stories they've done. We've had people set up businesses, you know, uh, side hustles with prizes that they've won through our games. Dan, that's a great answer and, and super insightful. Thank you. I, I can't stop thinking about the white polar bear in the background. <laughs> I've got this phrase, don't think about the white polar bear. <laughs> but turning it don't back over to you. Guys. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Ah, there you go, Dan. Perfect. <laughs> there we go. But you did have a great segue. You know, you're talking about prizes. And, you know, you are a convert. Product is the new marketing. Retention is the prize. Retention is the growth. That's great, but I'd like to put some numbers around this, right? Because we're talking about it being valuable. It's obviously a valuable experience. That's how you have the audiences and that's how everything sort of, it's fueled by that. But what are you actually seeing and what metrics are you focused on? I mean, like most studios, we, we pay a lot of retention to the, the usual retention and monetization metrics, you know, day one, day seven, day, day 28. And I can tell you that in, in our experience, Day one to day seven, you know, once people come in, the drop off between day one to day seven, it's minimal. It's, it's very strong. We can get cohorts where our day one is upwards of 50%. And, you know, day seven can be as high as kind of 30, 35%. So, you know, from a retention perspective, we look at that very hard. And also what we look at as well is, is the number of daily sessions that, that users have inside our games. We work a lot around content refresh within a day so that there's always something new to do in the game but you can't just sit there and, and play all day we like people to go off and actually look out and look up and, and experience the world as well as playing our games so yeah we look at the, the amount of times that people are kind of coming back through the day uh, and, and how frequently they're engaging with the content refreshes and the notifications that are kind of going out as well so so where are we in those sessions and in those numbers in terms of daily sessions? Uh, what, what you're looking at. I mean, even that's the answer, right? What do you look at? Yeah, I mean, you know, with, with many of our users, that they'll be playing on average our game. They'll be coming into the game two and a half times a day. 
which okay. again, you know, it, I think is for us, we see that as a measure of success. Well, speaking of measurement, you know, and this started because of our last show, John, because we had Nick and he was just going on about some some really sort of inverted logic things. It's like, really? And so I checked into it. Absolutely. So I'll give you some idea of the research. And I just would love to have you weigh in on it, Dan. It's like a reality check for me, right? So the research says it can cost five to 25 times more to attract a new customer than retain existing ones. That's sort of a given, here's an interesting one though, cost savings. If you turn it around, invert it, measure it in cost savings, four to five times cheaper to retain an existing user than to acquire a new one. So what can you share? How would you, would you agree with those numbers? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you okay. know, one of the biggest things that annoys me the most is, is through UA and through marketing is, is paying for the same player over and over and over. <laughs> Yes. It, it, you know, as somebody that looks at the numbers, it, it breaks my heart when I see that that kind of activity happening. And as I, as I mentioned before, you know, we've got a typically a portfolio approach of, of mechanics where you can win in, in a number of, of our games. So you know, we we also think about it at that level. So we only want to pay for a user once, but we we want to move them around our games at the right point. And I know that when we do that, and I, you know, when I look at the numbers, the LTV exponentially grows for us as we get them playing two, three, four, five of our games. It, it really does start to really maximise our ROI. So yeah, I 100% believe and, and fully back the fact that it is cheaper to to retain than it is to acquire. So selfish, hey Peggy, not willing to share more of his revenue with Facebook and Google. I mean, come on. Yeah, I was waiting for more numbers. I don't know. I care enough for those guys. <laughs> so I'd just like to continue with one more number, right? Because I've been looking into this. I even found the word for it. This is a new one. I don't know. Have you seen this one, John? Corona bump? It sounds like a baby bump. but I was um, thinking that or like a new, some sort of down-tempo dance. I don't know. But anyway, we won't go there. <laughs> The Corona bump. So many app categories have experienced this and it's what the media is calling as said the Corona bump. It's sort of doing this and it could be flattening out. We're not quite sure. Right. But my question to you is, and this is going to sound really odd, Dan, how big is your bump <laughs> and what are you doing <laughs> to maintain that? You know, because if it's flattening, you obviously don't want to. I, my bump's not as big as it was at the start of the pandemic around March and April time. I think, you know, I talk to my peers across the industry, as, as you guys do as well, but when the UK went into lockdown March, April time, our K factor increased probably by about 25, 30%. You know, people were sitting at home. There was the furlough in the UK where uh, the government were, were subsidizing wages and people weren't at work. So, yeah, we, we definitely saw a bump in organic installs at, at that point. What we did also see... You know, kind of May, June time was was a big land grab from lots of studios. You know, I think it became apparent that there was a huge appetite for gaming and people were looking for new experiences. So actually what we did see was globally, we saw our CPIs increase by you know, 20% because, you know, everybody was bidding for the same traffic. And yeah. you know, if you've got strong metrics, I think people were prepared to probably pay that little bit more. So, you know, if you were the big guys, you were, you were good if you're an indie. You were probably getting squeezed a little bit more at, at that point. But you know, looking at where we are today, it's I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's pre-COVID, but we're there or thereabouts in terms of uh, in, in terms of the numbers. 
That's definitely the takeaway quote for today. Uh, The bump was not as big as I wanted it to be. (laughs) (laughs) Most people want to lose the bump, at least different types of bumps. But uh, let's look ahead a little bit, Dan. December is big for you. You're in uh, beta release right now, probably in a couple different countries, probably not globally. Uh, but December's big for you. You're releasing, you're coming out. Uh, it's also a busy time because you've got U.S. Thanksgiving coming up in a couple weeks. You've got Black Friday, Cyber Monday. You're coming in after that and just before the Christmas, whole holiday, New Year's, all that sort of thing where we know that there's new devices and we also know that there's often a bump in app installs at that point. What do you look as you peer into your crystal ball? What do you see over the next couple months and, and beyond? I mean, I mentioned it earlier on, I think, that the next few months, December is always a very busy month. Christmas Day, historically, has always been Vikers' you know, biggest biggest day. People get together with their families and, and uh, very quickly realise why they don't spend an awful lot of time with their families the rest of the year. Uh, and then go to the app store and look for something to entertain them with. So... I think December will be very big for us. I mentioned earlier that obviously, you know, there's a lack of movies being promoted at the moment. So there's there's a big opportunity for, for studios and for publishers alike to gain new eyeballs into it. And I think with the world being in the in the state that it is right now, January, February, March, it should be bumper times for a lot of studios, people looking to, to find new experiences and, and, and spend more time on their mobiles. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we'll look forward to that launch and we'll be super interested to try it out. Uh, You also probably have multiple projects in development. uh, And I know you probably can't talk about things that are planned for launch, maybe in spring 2021 or whatever. But what areas are you looking at? What do you think will be hot or interesting in terms of gaming and gameplay in 2021? I think shared experiences will be a, a huge area in 2021. You look at things like Among Us, the success that is currently having in the App Store, Fall Guys earlier this year as well. There's, there's a lot around people playing together, particularly when we're all very much remote at the moment. You know, this sense of being together through games, I think that's going to be a really interesting space in, in 2021. For Vika personally, we are really excited about millionaire and our foray into into ip and that's an area that, that we are looking to to really uh get into in in a serious 2021 skill-based games where where you get rewarded again we think there's a huge global appetite for that so um, yeah 2021 is an exciting year and a, a massive opportunity for us Everybody is looking forward to 2021 for lots of different reasons. And I love what you said about the social nature, not only because we're not as social or as present as we have been in the past, but also because that's likely to lead to a significantly higher degree of retention. If we're playing it together, mm-hmm. it's not just the game. It is the game, but it's the environment and it's a social environment. And it's I'm playing it with people. I almost have an appointment, like you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting. Yeah. So interesting. Oh. Sorry, I was just going to weigh in on that because one thing also, John, if you think about it, what we're hearing here is we're hearing it over and over again that there is a retention mindset, maybe not retention first like Dan, but very much. And it's all about not just the experience, you know, it's product is very, very important. And also the hook, in this case, the social aspect. So it's really constructing for a retention experience is shifting very, very much from yeah. trying to build it around metrics to building it into the product or to building it into something that moves us. So I think that shift 
in 2021 is also going to be very interesting to watch. Cool. Yeah. Dan, I was just wondering, is this, is this also something when we say what's next? I mean, it seems to be very much product, social. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, from a social perspective, it, it's an area that, that I think, you know, hasn't received as much attention from some studios as, as it should do. And the value of it is if you get it right, it can be absolutely phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, learned a lot. And thanks so much, Dan, for being with us on Retention Masterclass, sharing that, you know, a little bit of a primer into a retention first mindset, retention first strategy, what it takes. Great to have you here. Great to have you sharing it. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much, Dan. That was wonderful. For everybody else, thank you also for joining us on the show, whatever platform you're on. Hey, like, subscribe, share, or comment, all the above. If you love the podcast, maybe rate it, review it. That'd be a massive help. Absolutely. And that's a wrap. So until next time, as usual, keep safe, keep well. And this is Peggy Ann Salt signing off for Retention Masterclass. And I'm John Katsir. Have a wonderful day. Bye.